lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You will not let my foot slip. You who watch over me do not slumber. Indeed, you who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over me. The Lord is my shade at my right hand. The sun will not harm me by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep me from all harm. You will watch over my life, Lord. You will watch over my coming and going both now and forevermore. church. I want to welcome all the brothers and sisters here at Rock Island, as well as those tuning in at our Bettendorf campus. I want to greet our brother, brothers at Kiwani Center, as well as those of you checking things out online. And if you're a guest with us, I am super excited you're here. I have been praying specifically for you that God would reveal himself to you in a new way, that you would encounter him in a new way today. One of the things I realize is that every time we gather together, he works and moves in our worship, he works and moves in our prayers, and he works and moves in our study times. And I am truly grateful, and I never get tired of it. And I am expecting and asking that God would once again show up and reveal himself to you in a new way. That's my prayer for all of us, and I'm really glad you chose to share the morning with us. I want to thank those who prayed and participated in our leadership conference this past week. We had more than 300 guests and volunteers and teammates serving, looking to get better and using our influence at work, at home, and in our communities. If you missed that opportunity, I just want to point you to another opportunity that's coming up. It's our Live to Lead conference. It'll be a half-day event at our Bettendorf campus, and we're just privileged to host that again for the fourth year. And if you're interested, go ahead and lean into that. You can find information in your worship folder and talk to your local, local campus leader to get more details about it. But it's a great opportunity to learn how to use our influence for the glory of God in in greater and greater ways. But we've been actually walking a journey as a church, unpacking a few of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. And the Psalms are a collection of collections. They are 150 prayers of the heart that help us understand our vertical relationship with God and the horizontal relationships as we live in this world. And our Psalm that we looked at last week and the Psalm we're looking at this week both position us to be prepared and equipped to navigate challenges and troubles in life, to to really be positioned to prevail over problems, even with some divine assistance, some, some help from God, which I think we all actually really want, help from God. Now, part of our conversation last week, uh, and you can get that online at heritageqc.com, involves talking about how we need to cling to the things that are true about God, that we can cling to the things that are true about God. And, and part of understanding who God is involves understanding his character and his nature. And, and there are three words that capture a bit of who he is. And they're not words we use in our normal day-to-day conversations, but they are words that help us understand him and who he is. Those words reflected are these words. It is that he is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. He is omniscient, means he's all-knowing. God is all-knowing. He is omnipresent, which means he is present everywhere all the time. And he is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. He is those three things. And because he is those three things, he knows, he sees, and he can. 
And because he knows and he sees and he can, we don't have to navigate the challenges of life alone or on our own. Yet the thing is, receiving help requires accepting help. Receiving help requires accepting help. First fill in if you want to use that note guide that you got on the way in. Receiving help requires accepting help. To, to actually get help requires us to welcome that help. And you may think, well, no duh. But listen, there is a perception and perspective that is out in the world that has great popularity, that paints a different picture and tells a different story. And, and, and all of us are familiar with it. All of us are connected to it. Maybe some of us have stumbled into it or even worse, have been tempted or actively believing that it's true. But at a minimum, we're all familiar with this concept. That's how popular it is. And I want to show you. See, I want to give you, in a moment, I want to give you the first part of a statement. And then if you know the rest of the statement, I just want you to shout it out from where you're at. Here at Rock Island, Bettendorf, Kiwani men, if you know the rest of the statement, I just want you to shout it out from where you are. I totally believe in your ability to do this. Are you ready? All right, here we go. The Lord helps those who help themselves. Yeah, I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. See, the Lord helps those who help themselves. This is probably the most quoted Bible verse that does not exist in the Bible. <laughs> this is not in the Bible, and it is not true. It ranks right up there with cleanliness is next to godliness. It is not in the Bible. It was actually for years attributed to Benjamin Franklin in something that, that he wrote in Poor Richard's Almanac. But over time realized that 60 years before there was an article written about government that contained this statement. But the reality is, it, regardless of who first said it, it is not in the Bible and it is not true. Say, it is not true. Listen, our God helps the helpless. Our God steps in in places of need. He gives strength to the weary. He helps. And in Isaiah 41, we get a glimpse from his own words of who he is as a helper. Take a look. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and what? Help. Help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, man, the, these words strip away the false perspective that we need to be self-reliant in this world and remind us again of where our true help comes from. But receiving help requires accepting help. It reminds me of the story of a, a man who was out hiking along a trail next to a cliff, and he accidentally slipped, and he fell over the cliff and he began to fall, but fortunately he grabbed a hold of a branch and he was hanging on for dear life several hundred feet above the ground. And in that space he began to yell, help, help, is anybody up there? If you and I were hanging in a space like that, we would do the exact same thing. Help, help, is anybody up there? Now to his surprise, but to his relief, he heard a voice. And it was the voice of God. God said, I'm here, I'm always here because I'm, om I'm omnipresent. <laughs> man said, that's wonderful. God, can you help me? God said, I absolutely can help you. I am omnipotent. I am all-powerful. I can help. But I have to ask you a question. Do you trust me? man said, 
oh yes, Lord, I trust you, but I don't know how much longer I can hang on. I'm barely hanging on to this branch. God said, don't worry, you'll be all right. I'll, I'll save you. Just let go of the branch. Silence. A few moments passed. And then the man could be heard yelling, help, help, is anybody else up there? Look, at as funny as that may be, I think we do the exact same thing in our interactions with a God who does seek to help. See, we end up in places we don't want to be or places we shouldn't be, either by our actions or the actions of other people. And in those spaces, we may need help, we may want help, but we may actually not receive help. But receiving help requires accepting help. Yet often, we want help our way, in our timing, on our terms. And we can end up passing on the help that's available. Either because we don't trust others, or even don't trust God. Yet receiving help requires accepting help. And regardless of how gifted, smart, or resourceful we may be, we all end up at a place at some point in our lives where we need help. No matter who we are, we all end up in a space where we need help. It could be something as small as having somebody help us by opening a door because our hands are full, because we just can't open the door. Or something of greater significance and greater proportions like our marriage falling apart or losing our job. In those spaces, sooner or later, we need help. We reach the end of our rope, the end of our strength. We're barely hanging on, and that's where God shows up. And he says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. I will hold you. I will catch you if you let me. And the psalm we're looking at today takes us right into that space. So I want to invite you to grab your Bible if you have one and turn to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. If you don't have a Bible, scripture's in the note guide. It'll also be here on the screen. We're going to be spending time in Psalm 121, which is actually part of a collection. It's actually one of 15 psalms identified as songs of ascent. Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are the songs of ascent, 15 songs, psalms. They're known as the songs of ascent because they were sung by pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem to offer worship and sacrifice to God. They were sung in worship. They were sung as they... Uh, just stepped up the stairs of the temple into worship. And we're looking at the second of the songs of ascent. And it's not attributed to any particular author, but it is a prayer of the heart. And it's where we're spending our time today. So I invite you to follow along in your Bible or up here on the screen as I read. I lift my eyes, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's declaring authority and power in those words. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He, he won't do it. He, he's, he's those three things, omniscient, omnipresent, 
omnipotent, omni-3. It's like omega-3, only nothing like it and way better. <laughs> omni-3, he won't do it. <laughs> Whatever. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, you'll get that's funny later. Uh, indeed, he who watches over Israel neither slumber nor sleep. There's no short breaks, no long breaks. He's like a mother who faithfully, consistently watches over and cares. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. There may be risks, there may be dangers, there may be threats, but there is also care by, by his presence. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, being at home or being in other places. He will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore, today and tomorrow. Him it was and is and is to come. This is a, this is a great psalm that, that five times declares the Lord watches over. The Hebrew word in that space is shamar, and it, and it means to keep or to preserve. It, it was used in Genesis chapter 2 when God assigned Adam and Eve responsibility to be keepers of the garden. Same word. It's used in Genesis chapter 4 when Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? Same word. And here in Psalm 121, five times the psalmist declares that the Lord watches over. It, it can be as a sentry or a guard, a, a city watchman or a doorkeeper, but most appropriately for us in this setting and is most fitting here is as a shepherd. The Lord is a, is a watchman who watches over the city. He is a shepherd who watches over his flock. And unlike Psalm 91 that we looked at last week, the psalmist in this moment is so taken in by his helper and his keeper that he mentions very little about the dangers and troubles he faces. See, his helper, his keeper is the Lord. Very clearly, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So he's really simply talking about God. And we already know that, that God is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. All-knowing, present always, and all-powerful. So because he is omniscient, that means he knows. All-knowing, he knows. Because he is omnipresent, he sees. He sees, he's with, therefore he sees. And because he is omnipotent, he can. This is who our God is. One who knows and sees and can. Therefore, he is best positioned to be the one to help. But receiving help requires accepting help. And I want to take a moment to just dig down into understanding him as a God who sees. A God who is with. See, there are a number of names for God. Each of those names reflect a character aspect of him or, or his nature. Some are things he used and declared. Others are things from how his people have experienced him. And one of the names of God that come from how his people experienced him is the name Elroy. Say Elroy. Elroy literally means the God who sees me. And it comes from the story of a, in the life of a woman named Hagar. Hagar was the servant of a woman named Sarai, and Sarai was married to a man named Abram. And Sarai and Abram would later get new names from God, Sarah and Abraham, but at this point in the storyline, they are Sarai and Abram. And Hagar is in the mix and proximity of their journey. 
And Hagar's journey is complex and it's layered and there's beauty and there's brokenness in it, but there is also clear evidence of humanity believing that God helps those who help themselves. You see, God had promised Abram that he would be the father of nations, that he would have children who would have children. But as Abram got older, in his 80s, they, he and Sarai had no kids. And so they take matters into their own hands, believing that God helps those who help themselves. And Sarai goes to Abram and says, hey, how about you sleep with my servant Hagar and let's get this baby-making thing going. <laughs> so it was, the, in a way, the right goal of children and living into the promise that God had given, but it was the completely wrong process. They were doing it on their own, in their own strength by themselves. It upset God. Now, now God, because he's good and faithful, would, would, would later fulfill his promise to them. And there's much more to the story about Abram and Sarai. But in the midst of all that, and before he fulfilled the promise to them, Hagar gets pregnant. Hagar gets pregnant, and Sarai gets bitter. And she ends up abusing and mistreating Hagar to the point that Hagar runs away. And Hagar finds herself pregnant, alone, destitute, abused, mistreated. Her faithfulness and submission to the authority in her life rewarded with injustice. And she's barely hanging on to the figurative cliff in her life from that branch. And in that space, God shows up. In that space, God sends an angel. An angel with instructions and actually tells her to go back. Tells her to go back, back to what was. Now, that had to be difficult, but the instructions came from a God who knows and sees and can. And those instructions came with a promise and they came with a commitment to provision. And so Hagar, out of that experience, identifies God as Elroy. And here's what she says as we get from Genesis 16, 13. Here's what happened. Hagar gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the Lord who sees me. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me, Elroy. There is brokenness in Hagar's story, but there is beauty in that brokenness. And you may find yourself today in a season or situation that feels desperate and dire. You may feel like you're barely hanging on to that branch. But I want you to know and understand that he is the God who knows and sees and can. He is Elroy. The God who sees. He is with. He knows your circumstance. He knows the number of hairs on your head, or the lack thereof. <laughs> Amen to all my brothers who get that out there. He knows your past, present, and future. Because he is the one who knows and sees and can. Because he knows and sees and can, he can function in past, present, future. Past, present, future. But to receive help as the God who Give and helps requires accepting help, which puts us, you and I, playing a part. Receiving help requires accepting help. So the reality is that knowing that he is a God who knows positions us to be a people who believe. 
a people who step by faith, being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Because he knows, we can believe. Out of that, knowing that he is Elway, the God who sees, positions us to be a people who look, who, who lift our eyes, who seek him with all of our heart, to believe and to look. And because he is a God who can, that positions us to be a people who receive, who receive that power, that, that power that he has in our lives, to believe, to look, and to receive. That's how we begin to experience a God who helps us. But uh, quite honestly, this involves elements of trust. It involves elements of risk. It had to be difficult for Hagar to go back. Had to be difficult. Had to be difficult emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. It probably helped that she had an angel show up and give her some instructions. I think that would be great if angels would show up all the time and give us specific instructions. Maybe you want that. And unless God does something different, I guess you're kind of stuck with me for now. But listen, even though an angel showed up for Hagar... She still had to choose to go back. She still had to choose to let God be her helper. And the moment she did, God went before. God provided. God was faithful to his promise as the one who knows and sees and can. And just as Hagar had to choose to go back in obedience, we have to choose. But whenever we step in obedience, whenever we choose to trust and release Whenever we let go and let God, he shows up and helps. He holds us by his righteous right hand. Because he is faithful and he is true. Some of you know that this past year was probably one of the most, if not the most, difficult seasons of ministry for me. And many people very lovingly, graciously, with great wisdom made that alleviated parts of that. But in, in chasing big vision, in chasing God-sized vision, in chasing the, the peace and prosperity of our cities, with all the accompanying spiritual battle alongside that, many times I found myself desperate for help. Found myself looking to the hills. Not looking to run to the hills, but looking to the hills for help. And quite honestly, that was often the only place I found peace. Facing loss, facing rejection, facing things like betrayal, and then all the stuff of insecurity and uncertainty that comes along with that as a human and as a leader. When you experience being lied to or lied about, when, when people say one thing and do another, or people say they want one thing and then you give them that thing and then they despise you for it, that is hard, heartbreaking space. And I'm, I'm still recovering and growing and healing out of that. God's been very gracious in all of that. The reason I share it is because even in the most difficult, dark spaces, he was Elroy. And in, those, in the moments that I could remember and recognize that he was the God who sees, it began to change the experience. I knew him as Elroy. I knew that he knew, I knew that he saw, and I knew that he could. But I didn't always understand how he chose to intervene or when he chose to intervene or not. And I still don't understand all of that. But I know and knew he was my helper. And every time I let go and let God and let him lead, he helped and held by his right hand. I, I want to ask you, 
where does your help come from? Where does your help come from? Where do you turn? Where do you turn first? How do you turn? Where does your help come from? We can look at that question and say, where is your help supposed to come from? We could ask the question in this way, where is your help actually coming from? Or where are you looking for help, looking for help to come from there, but you're actually not going to find it because it's not the place you're supposed to be looking. Where, where does your help come from? You may want it to be God, but you may find yourself trying to help yourself. You may want it to be God, but unwilling to let go of the branch. But He is the one who sees. If you're not willing to go back, if you're not willing to let go, listen, I get that. I have been in those spaces, but every time and any time I have been willing to let go, being willing to step in obedience, he has shown up and proven himself to be helper and keeper. The God who holds, the God who helps. No matter how desperate or dire your circumstances may be, when you let go and let God, he responds. I want to invite you to listen to the story of a friend of mine. Her name is Hannah. She's actually one of the members of our heritage family. And I want to invite you to sit back for a few moments and listen to her as she shares her journey and walk with Elroy, the God who sees. Take a look. So I was born in California. I lived there until I was about three, four years old. Um, my dad got transferred to Illinois um, and we moved. My mom was pretty sick at the time, going through a lot um, with that. And in the midst of all that, her and I never really got to build a relationship together. Um, I was always fending for myself, kind of doing my own thing. Uh, we moved a lot in that time um, and I had terrible experiences with churches. Um, it essentially turned me away. Um, I became a non-believer for a long time. I struggled with a lot of mental health issues uh, growing up. Um, it ranged from depression, um, and at my worst, it was bulimic. Um, I was bulimic for about seven years, um, and I did that all on my own. Um, I didn't have a close relationship with anyone in my family, um, and I didn't open up to friends or anything like that, mentors, nothing. I ended up going to Ambrose, strangely enough. Um, I got a scholarship, and I battled with those professors day in, day out. God is not real. This is all made up. I can prove it. I remember I was sitting in a classroom one day, and my professor was just going on and on about God and God this, God that. And it was just like going in one ear and out the other. I didn't care to hear it. Um, and I was feeling pretty low anyways that day. Um, and I went to the bathroom actually and I was sitting on the bathroom floor and I was just tears rolling down my face and I was just pondering, you know, like, why am I here? I don't want to be here. I hate my life. There's nothing for me here. Um, my phone rang and um, it was my brother and my brother was my one go-to um, for most of my life but at the time he was deployed in Afghanistan um, and so a phone call was a rare a rare thing and so I picked up the phone and and he goes sis I don't know why I'm calling you right now I can't talk but I just need you to know I love you and I care about you and click he hung up the phone and that was it um, I just sat there and I mean I look back now I'm like that was God saying open the door let me in um, but I didn't I didn't recognize that I didn't see it um, 
um, and so I just kept going on with my life. Um, I eventually met someone who really helped me through my bulimia, and I broke free of that in 2014. And in 2016, I got hired at Jefferson Elementary School as the Family Involvement Liaison, and I was in charge of quite a few different um, community involvement projects, but one being our food pantry, and that's where Heritage came in. So they came in twice a month to serve our families, um, and I'm not going to lie, the first time I met all of them, I thought they were absolutely nuts. <laughs> and so there was one person, though, that would walk up to me every time, and all she would say was, I just prayed for you this week, and she's like, if you want to go to church with me, just let me know. And sure enough, I found myself in the back of the church on Easter Sunday, uh, 2017. Um, tears rolling down my face, and I remember the worship team, they were singing, um, I am a child of God. I remember just like falling into my seat and just thinking to myself, my life is never going to be the same. Um, I walked out of that church a different person with a ton of questions. <laughs> and I met with Nancy later that week, um, and I remember she looked at me and she just said, you know, God will never love you more or less than what he loves you right now. And in that moment, I, I realized, like, it's okay. Like, all of those things that I did or said, you know, all those years of not believing, it's okay. From that moment on, I, I accepted, you know, Christ as my Savior, and I'd been considering, you know, like, what is my next step? I, I prayed about that a lot, you know, what is next? I prayed that over and over again, and I just, you know, it came, it, I need to get baptized. I need that fresh start. I felt just completely new. I think it was just like I had fully accepted who I was as a new person and that person with God. And that's what I needed to just be like, heck yeah, this is who I am now. You know, like this is truly me. It's you and me, God. When you come up out of the water, it's like you're one and you're one with God. And I think that that moment is just like, you know, they talk about just look up to the mountain, you know, and just goodness, just realize that like, you are not alone in darkness and in day, and there's no time when you're alone. No one, no one is ever alone. Even when I look back and I'm sitting there on the bathroom floor for all those hours, I was never alone. I didn't know that I wasn't alone. I didn't have my heart open to the Lord, but I was never alone. My name is Hannah Reed, and this is my resurrection story. He is the God who sees. He is Elroy. He is with. And we can look to the mountains, look to the hills. Where does our help come from? From the one who knows and sees and can. Listen, let me just take a sidebar moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, but you've never stepped into the waters of baptism, I want to tell you, that's your next step of obedience. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, there is a direct invitation for us to step into a space where we allow that inward commitment to be reflected in an outward action in baptism. And if you follow Jesus and haven't done it, I want to encourage you to take part in the very next one. In fact, we're doing it next weekend at the river. Kiwani men will be out there that following Monday with you on the 20th. But listen, if you've not stepped obediently into the waters of baptism, that's your next step. And you can talk to your campus leadership and get in the process. It's not too late to be part 
of that celebration and that acknowledgement of that inward decision that we declare in an outward expression. That's what Hannah did. As, as Hannah stepped in obedience, God responded in faithfulness because he knows he sees he can. Now, hear me. There are some things, because of God, how God made us, because of the gifts, talents, and abilities he's given us, there are, we can know some things. We can know some things and we can see some things. We can even do some things. But our ability to know, see, and can is limited. It's hit and miss. It's case by case. But God, as the one who knows and sees and can, he knows all the time. He sees all the time. And he can all the time, which positions him to be the one who helps. The God who helps us when we choose to believe, when we choose to look and lift our eyes. And we choose to receive. Where does your help come from? No matter how clever you may be or smart you may be or creative, at some point you need help. And that help comes from believing in the one who knows and sees and can. If, if you would be willing to lift your eyes... He will lift your head. He is good and he is faithful. David, David who was a shepherd boy, David who killed Goliath, David who was king over Israel, wrote many psalms and he wrote Psalm 3 and this is what he said in Psalm 3. He said, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and a lifter of my head. I love the imagery of lifter of head. Because if you and I would be willing to just lift our eyes to him, he will lift our head. David actually wrote this in a very complex time of his life. He wrote it as he was fleeing for his life from his son Absalom, who was, who was leading a mutiny against his authority as king. Yet he declared that God was his shield, that God was the lifter of his head. Because no matter what you and I face, he is a refuge. He is a keeper helper. He is Elroy the God who sees. In Isaiah 25, these words are declared about who he is. The Lord, you have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. This is who our God is. This is who Elroy, the God who sees is. And if you and I would just lift our eyes, he will lift your head. No matter how creative you are, no matter how resourceful you are, at some point you reach a place of needing his help. Believe in him. Trust him. Theologian Oswald Chambers actually highlights a nuance that is important for us to be able to believe, look, and receive. Here's what he said. He said, we're not asked to believe the Bible, but to believe the one whom the Bible reveals. We don't study the Bible just to believe the Bible. We study the Bible so that we can know and understand and believe the one whom the Bible reveals. So that we can put our trust in him. So that we can follow him. So we can lift our eyes to him and allow him to lift our head. But receiving help requires accepting help. And that means we choose to believe and choose to look and choose to receive. Until we do that, will never fully realize him as the God who knows and sees and can. 
Receiving requires accepting. So let me just talk for a moment about how we do that in a bit of a so what moment. The reality is that when we recognize the rescuing hand of God, recognizing God's rescuing hand and revering him is how we step in to what we're talking about. To recognize God's rescuing hand and revere him, to recognize it, to, to trust it, to embrace it, not dismiss it, to, to, to believe he is who he says he is. Until we're willing to let go of the branch, until we're willing to go back in the places he sends us, we will never know him as the God who knows and sees and can fully. If we're waiting for, for some full explanation before we step in obedience, if we're waiting for some complete justification from him before we step in obedience or faithfulness, we will never know him fully as the God who knows and sees and can. Just recognize his rescuing hand and revere him. Trust him. Lean into relationship. Trust his goodness. Understand that he, you don't have to fear. He says, for I am, the, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. No matter how strong or smart or creative we may be, we all get to the spot where we need help. We need to reach out for help. And he will help you when you let him. He will help you when you let go. He will hold you by his right hand. He will be with and he will strengthen. He will help. He will uphold. Those words from Isaiah 41 are promises of provision and power and presence. Not prevention of trouble. Nor some prescribed method or manner by which he will help. And quite honestly, it's not always in the timing we prefer. Not even in the manner we would prefer or without the, uh, the trouble that often goes around it as well. But he always sees. And he is with. He is Elroy, the God who sees. And he saw Hannah on the bathroom floor. And he saw Hagar in the desert. And he saw me in the complexities of ministry. And he sees you in your pain. And he sees you in your grief. And he sees you in your trouble. And he says, lift your eyes and I will lift your head. Recognize his rescuing hand and revere him. How we revere him is really reflected in three things. And this is what I want to leave you with. See, we recognize the, and revere the rescuing hand of God by believing, looking, and receiving. Reverence for God is recognized in believing, looking, and receiving. It's these three things we're already talking about over here. That we believe, and that we look, and that we receive. Receiving help requires accepting help. When you and I believe, we're actually stepping into a space of faith. Being sure of what we hope for, certain what we do not see. Belief is a step into faith. But then because he is the God who sees, we look to him. We seek him. We chase after him. And as we seek him, it positions us to receive, to actually step into a posture of trust where we experience the fullness of life with him. We experience his power at work in our lives. It's, it's belief. It's looking and seeking. It's, it's receiving in trust. And there is risk in this. Sadly, many people will believe and they will look, but they will stop here just like the dude hanging from the cliff on the branch. Believe and look, but not actually receive and step in trust. This is the place that we experience salvation. This is where we're saved. And the only way that we step into the fullness of life with God is through Jesus. We have relationship with God through Jesus. 
And if you're someone who is spiritually unresolved today, you're someone who's looking for help from God, the way that comes is by stepping into relationship with God through Jesus as you believe and look and receive. On the back of the note guide, there's a prayer you can pray that allows you to do that. But I encourage you, if you're not yet resolved with God and you're desirous of his help, you're not sure where you fall, walk through this process and receive Jesus as Savior and begin to experience the fullness of life that comes from being in proximity to a God who knows and sees and can. And in that space, all it takes is being willing to lift your eyes. And then he will lift your head. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, that's where our help comes from. Have the courage, have the boldness to step in humility, to step in relationship, to step in trust by lifting your eyes to him and allow him to lift your head from whatever complexity you find as you walk a path of relationship with a God who sees the God who helps. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that even in seasons where we struggle to believe, where we struggle to look, where our head is down in the complexities of difficulty, or we even wrestle with trusting you and letting go as we receive what you want to give, God, even when we're doing that, you are faithful and true. You are pursuing and you are loving and you know and you see and you can. So Lord, in these next few moments as we continue to process the truth of your word and the truth of who you are, may you speak. May we know where we need to embrace your rescuing hand or where we need to revere who you are, where we need to release and cling to you. God, may you speak to my brothers and sisters. May you move in and through us. May we be bold enough, courageous enough to receive the help as we, as we believe and look and receive in your son, Jesus. God, thank you for sending him. Thank you for the life that is available through him. May you continue to direct our steps as we continue to chase after you. I love you. I pray these things. In the name of your Son, in the name of our Savior, in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.